lean back. Can lean back a little bit. It's not as complicated as uh, last week's sicha by a stretch, and I know that we're all going to enjoy this um, very beautiful sicha. So it's Parshas Tetzave, Chelak Tezayin Lukotesichas Tetzave Beis. And if you look into this week's parsha, in Perek Chavches twenty-eight, and we're going to look at the pesuk beginning with Lamid Aleph thirty-one. So 28.31, we have the discussion and the description of the me'il, of the robe of the Kayin Gadol. And it says, Make the robe of the ephod completely out of greenish-blue wool. And then at Pasuk Lamed Beis, it says, Its opening at the top shall be turned inward. Its opening shall have a border all around. The border shall be of woven work like there is around the opening of a coat of armor, so that it will not be torn. So around the neckline kind of, it should be made of sturdy material and it should be um, woven work so that it can be taken on and off easily without doing damage to the garment. And Lamed Gimel is actually the Pasuk and the Rashi that we want to look at. Um, the Pasuk reads, Ba'asisa al-shulav rimaynet cheles v'agamen on the hem of the robe, you shall make pomegranates of greenish blue wool, dark red wool, and crimson wool, and these should be placed around the hem, and there shall be gold bells between them all around. That's the Pasuk. Rashi says, pomegranates, agule bichalulim hayu, these pomegranates were round and they were hollow. Ha'asuyim kivetas tarnagolas, and they're shaped like a hen's egg. Upamayne zahav, zogin im inbolin shepatecham. Bells with clappers inside of them. So clearly they're going to make noise. Besaycham saviv, beinayim saviv, meaning between them all around. Between two pomegranates would be one bell attached and hung at the bottom of the rope. Okay, so now let's begin with the sicha. Aleph. Binagayel le'me'il, regarding the robe of the Kayin Gadol, Nemar Bakasov, it says in the Pasuk, which we just read, you should make, you should attach to its hem pomegranates made out of three colors of wool, the first of which is Techeles, Al Shulav Saviv, and this should be placed on the hem around the entire hem, Saviv, and as Rashi explains, between every two pomegranates, there would be a bell that had a clapper inside of it. And this would encircle the entirety of the hem. Upeirish Rashi, and Rashi explains, that although the pomegranates were round and they were hollow, still in all, when the terrorist says that there should be the gold bells within them, this does not mean that the bell was found within the hollow pomegranate. Ella, rather, between them. 
okay? Because when you read the Psukim, when you read the Pasuk and you read the words, and golden belts between them, it could mean one of two things. And Rashi disabuses us of thinking that it means that the bell was placed in the pomegranate, and he tells us the bells were placed between the pomegranates. Um, between two pomegranates, one bell, and they were attached to, and they were connected to the hem of the coat of the Kayangadon. And the Ramban questions this. The Ramban teaches that according to Rashi's understanding, we find that the Rimanim were not actually, the pomegranates were not actually used for anything. In other words, they were not functional. They were more decorative. And if this is true, and they were only for decoration, so why were they made hollow? If you're not going to place a bell in them, if they serve no practical function, why make the pomegranates hollow? They should rather be made like golden apples. And the Ra'im inserts himself in this dialogue between Rashi and the Ramban, and he says, I don't understand, I don't know. Why is the Ramban saying it should be apples rather than pomegranates? In other words, why is he choosing this fruit over that fruit? Okay, so so far we have Rashi's position. We have the Ramban who questions if, if they're anyway just decorative, why not go for apples? And then you have the Ra'im who says, I don't understand. I'm agnostic on this issue. Why choose apples over pomegranates? Okay. Ubiru Mifarshim. So the super commentaries explain. Shekushias Haramban, Chalulim. That what's bothering the Ramban is not so much the type of fruit, but rather what he what really makes him stop and pay attention is that Rashi says that the pomegranates were halulim, they were empty, they were hollow. What's really bugging the Ramban, the Mefarshim say, is that if in fact the pomegranates are hollow because you're not putting the bells within the pomegranates, so why make them hollow? Why not make them solid? But the Rebbe says, The Rebbe says, but it's still not understood. If in fact this was so, and that Ramban's only question was regarding the hollow factor, if it's true that the only thing bothering the Ramban is that they're hollow, then why would the Ramban have said, they should have been made golden apples? So the Rebbe feels that, no, the Ramban is questioning not just the hollow factor, but the fact that it's pomegranates and it's not apples. Bays. 
The Rebbe says, we might have been able to explain all of this in the following manner. Matsinu, we find, that regarding the Menorah that was in the Mishkan, it was, um, it was quite elaborate, the decorations of the Menorah. And for decorative purposes, there were Givim cups, Kaftoirim knobs, Uprachim flowers. And I recognize that there are other ways of defining these Hebrew words. I just chose um, what, what's, what I looked quickly to see was the most predominant um, definition, Givim cups, Kaftoirim knobs, and Prachim flowers. And the knobs were in the shape of apples. So if, according to Rashi, the pomegranates were only for decorative purposes, so the Rebbe says, maybe we could explain it, that since there were knobs in the shape of apples for decorative purposes on the Menaira, and since the what was on the bottom of the hem of the coat of the Kayan Gadol was also for decorative purposes, so why not match it? Make it apples also. If apples is a motif in the decorations of the Mishkan, make it consistent, make it apples also. But the Rebbe says, but the Rebbe doesn't accept this explanation that the Ramban is just bothered that it's not matchy-matchy. And, and he says, it's still not understood. First of all, Aleph, the fact I'm sure she'll realize that she's offline and come back on in a minute.
Okay. So if you didn't see the chat, she didn't realize, but she's coming back in a minute. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do this by phone until my computer responds. There's something wrong with my computer. It's frozen. It's not letting me um, do anything with it. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, okay. Okay, so um, I will go back to the last two questions in CF Bayes. I think that might have been where I started to freeze. I think you froze before the first question, just after the first paragraph. Okay. You know what? I'm going back to the beginning of Seif Beis, just for coherency's sake. The Rebbe says we might have been able to explain um, this inconsistency because we find that regarding the Menayur, the Pasuk tells us there were cups, there were knobs, and there were flowers. And the knobs were in the shape of apples. So we might be able to say that what's bothering the Ramban is that if you have decorative apples on the menaira, why not make the decoration on the hem of the coat of the Kayangadal also apples so it will match? But the Rebbe says, but that doesn't explain it enough. But that is still not understood. This very fact that there's apples on the menorah and there's pomegranates on the bottom of the, of the hem of the coat, this begs for clarification. Why were there specifically apples on the menorah? And Bayes, Ladas, Rashi, and if you go according to Rashi's opinion, so why by the me'il, by the coat, there should be there should be um, pomegranates, and the menaira should be apples. What is the difference? I'm trying to get back into class in the normal way. Give me one second and let me see if I could do this. All right, it's going very slow. Gimel, the third save. So now the Rebbe switches for a moment from the pomegranates to the bells. And he says that regarding the bells, the Pasuk tells us, and his voice, or in this case, it means his movement should be heard, meaning the Kayan Gadol's movement should be heard when he comes into the Kaidash. And this is so important to the Avoida of the Kayan Gadol that it says, 
that if his movement will be heard through the agency of the bells that will that will jingle or tinkle, then he is assured that he will not die. And Rashi says, So from the negative, you hear the positive, meaning if he has the bells and he won't die, then you hear already what would happen if he doesn't have the bells, God forbid. So obviously the bells are very, very important. So we have to understand. Why is the tinkle or the jingle or the clang of the bells so important? Why is this sound so important to be heard? Why is it so imperative when the Kayin comes into the Kaidesh, when he comes into the holy? It would seem on the contrary. We have a very, very famous Pasuk in Shmuel regarding Eliyahu, Loi Birash Hashem, that Hashem does not appear where there is a tremendous amount of tumult and noise. Ki in de mamadaka, but confronting divinity, spirituality really happens in the in the low, fine voice, called the mamadaka, without fanfare. And actually, the Rebbe says, we find by the Kayan Gadol himself, that when he went into the Holy of Holies and Yom HaKippurim, at that time, the Kayan Gadol donned not the ceremonial clothing, the big day Zahab, what's called the golden garments that he would wear on a regular basis, but he wore white garments and there was no coat and there was, and therefore there were no bells attached. The call up on my man, there's, and there's no, and there's no jingle of the bells. Haramban kasa betama and the Ramban addresses the reason for why there have to be bells. And he writes, that if somebody comes in to the inner sanctum of the king suddenly and without prior warning, he is high of Misa, he's deserving of death. And the Ramban explains that the noise, the jingle, the tinkle of the bells was a way of asking for permission to enter. Lehikanes to enter the and to engage in the work. Um, give me just a moment. I'm going to put down my phone. Try to get in by the computer because it's just much easier. And um, hopefully now my computer has calmed down and will let me come in. No, it's not working. Okay. Umash Kayan Gadol Ainoit Sarah Natilas Vishos, Bikni Sasib Yamakipurim, Lifnayulafnim. So why is it that the Kayan Gadol does not need permission when he comes in to the Kaidish Hakadashim on Yom Kippur? 
It would seem that on Yom Kippur, when he's going in, not just to the Kodesh, he's going into the Kodesh HaKadoshin, he's going into the inner, inner sanctum, you would think how much more so he should have to ask for permission through the agency of the tinkle of the bells. But why not? What we learn from this is that, um, that is, we're told, and uh, the Rabbeinu B'chaya brings this down, and this is based on the Gemara, that on Yom Kippur, Hashem shows us the spectacular exaltedness of the Jews that we don't need a shaliach. We don't need to send a messenger. We don't need bells that tinkle to say we're coming in. On Yom Kippur, we don't need the belt, which would be like a person who sends somebody ahead of themselves to say, I'm coming. We don't need that because Yom Kippur is a singular energy and because of our closeness to Hashem that day. Ulafi perish that. So in accordance with this, Nimsa we find, So if we're going to go with this theory, that the bells are simply a way of announcing, I am coming into the inner sanctum. So if you adopt this thesis, then the bells are not part of the avoida per se. They are rather hachana. They are preparatory. They are simply a preface and a preparation for the avoida. Amnam, however, says the Rebbe, but because we know that every single detail of the Aveda of the service of the Kayan Gadol is precise, and we have to say that this is especially true for a detail that carries with it the very severe punishment of death, God forbid. Umagam, and especially and especially because if you think about it, then you will understand that while the Kayan Gadol was working, the bells would tinkle as well because they would respond to his movement. Mistabers, the Rebbe says, so it's more logical to understand that the idea of hearing the noise coming from the Kayin Gadol's coat, mm-hmm. is actually part of the service of the Kayin Gadol rather than just a preparatory step. And if so, we have to understand the importance of the pomegranates rather than the apples. Okay, I'll tell him. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Okay, let me try one more time. Give me a second. Let me try to get my computer one more time. If you don't get your computer, get yourself a push or something to lean your phone on. That is a great idea. I'll, I'll try that next. I'm just trying to see if I can get in.
like a mensch. Ah, it's loading. Recording is not ready. Okay. Shut my phone. Sorry that I am so. Sorry about Sorry all of that. Oh. Okay. I am thoroughly convinced that I need a new computer. This one is just too old. Okay. So in Dalit, the Reb explains that the whole idea of the, or what's understood normally about why you need the belt is to ask permission to come in. And fine, okay. But the Rebbe says that it doesn't satisfy him because this would seem to indicate that this is just preparatory and is not part of the Avaidah. But of course, the Rebbe believes that every detail is part of the Avaidah, and especially because you hear the tinkling of the bell during the Avaida, because as the Kayin Gadol moves around, you hear the tinkling of the bell. So there has to be more to it. And so then, of course, we go back to why pomegranates and not apples. Dalit. The Echad HaBi'ur in Bazaar. One of the explanations is as follows. The Kayin Gadol was, after all, a Shaliach, all of Klal Yisrael. So beautiful and poignant that because he was a shliach of Klal Yisrael, it means that when he came into the Kodesh, he carried with him into the innermost sanctum Klal Yisrael. He brought every single one of Klal Yisrael El HaKadosh. Move on. So it's understood. And it's explained in a number of places, Barucha at length. Asher Avedas Bali Tshuva. That the Avedas Bali Tshuva. Haba Mitzad Harichuk. That comes from a sensation of being far and alienated from God. That's what catapults somebody into doing teshuva. There has to be that initial understanding that I have wandered, that I am not where I'm supposed to be, that I am at a distance. And so the, the content of that kind of response is bricha mipnei hara. It's about running away from the negativity that one is enmeshed in. And this is nas is mitoich rash. And when a person runs away from something that they understand is dangerous, negative, noxious, that is done with rash. That is done with tumult. That is not done slowly and with a quietness and with a subtlety. It's ka'adam ha'berech mipnei sakanas mavis. It's more likened to a person who runs away from a a fatal situation, bitsa'aka, 
with screams and cries, and with a searing wind. In other words, if somebody's, God forbid, drowning, we don't expect them to just be sending very subtle messages up. They're screaming, they're thrashing about, they're flaying their limbs. That is what it looks like. That's what it sounds like when you're running for your life. It's an involuntary movement that you scream, that you make a rush, that you make noise. And in like fashion, each one of us, every, every Jew, has this modality of spiritual service. Even somebody who doesn't have a virus or is not aware of the fact that they've done a virus. So this is one of hundreds and hundreds of places where the Rebbe explains that tshuva is an avoid that has to be done by everybody. It's not just there are bali tshuva and then everybody else is just fine. You know, everybody else is just great. There's, a, there's bali tshuva and there's sadikim. No, Rebbe explains that these are two modalities of service. And this has to be done by everybody even one who seems at this moment to not be aware of having a virus. When a person contemplates how far they are from godliness, either because the nefesh Bahamas is strong, is kicking and screaming. So maybe they have it under control, but the nefesh Bahamas is still going strong. And therefore, there exists a different energy, a, a different possibility that is separate from godliness. I, or the Rebbe says, you still have to do tshuva. Or the Jew who, who has already completely taken care of his Nefesh Bahamas. But he is aware of his nefesh alakis. That's also a yesh. That's also a metzias. That's also a sense of independent existence, which a priori means there is something else besides Hashem. And for this, he should be feeling a distance. Okay, so halavai, that everybody should be on this, on this level, and this should be our challenge, that we, we've done everything, and now we're at the level where we feel our nefesh alakis, and this is a problem because there's a metzias. There's, there's, there's some other existence here, and it's not just kulei alakus, it's not just completely godliness. But the Rebbe says, even if it's this, on this subtle level, on this exalted level, but even if all the, the only problem that you have is that you feel you never shall kiss. That's still a form of mitzvah. It's still a form of something that exists. And there is not complete pitil. There is not complete abnegation and loss of self and the subsuming of the self in godliness. And hopefully when he feels this, he is aroused. He feels the danger of this, and he seeks to, to escape from this situation, and it's going to happen. It's, it's, going to, it's going to be a noisy process to run away from this situation. And like the Baal Shem Tov replied to those who 
claimed that it was unseemly for the Hasidim, the way they davened, that they made all kinds of movements with their bodies when they davened, that this is undignified, that this is unseemly. So the Baal Shem Tov, in reply, said, that what the Hasidim, the way they're expressing themselves when they daven, is like a person who feels like they are drowning in the sea. And a person that is drowning in, in, at sea is going to make all kinds of movements and he's going to scream with all of his strength to bring this to the attention of somebody who could come and save him. So yeah, he's not going to be just waving like the queen. You know, he's going to be thrashing about and, and splashing in the water and it's going to make noise. And the Baal Shem Tov said, and for sure, somebody looking at this will not be making fun and will not be uh, saying disparaging things about this person's screams and this person's movements. You understand that that's the only way they can save themselves. And the Rebbe says, And by the way, the Rebbe says, this is not contra, this is not a um, astira, it's not a contradiction to what it says in Shmuel that Hashem is not found in the noise. Because the specificity of the words of that verse is that the level of Hashem, of Havaya, of Yudke Bavke, that is not with Rash, that is not with noise, meaning. In order for a person to be a vessel to receive the level of getlichkeit of godliness, that is the level of shame havaya, the yutke vavke, that is higher and that transcends all the spiritual worlds. Yes, that level has to be dafka welcomed and can only come to a person in the still, small voice. That's true. Because there has to be complete bittel. There has to be complete abnegation of the self. Masha enki, but a contradistinction. But the Rebbe says, but when you're not on that level of the shame havaya, when you're still busy running away, from the yeshus, from that sense of independent existence. And at that level, you reach, I'm saying only quote unquote, shame elokim. It's a lower level of manifestation. It's the shame elokim, not the shame metzios. By the shame elokim, there is place, so to speak, for metzios. For independent existence, hine avoidazu nas is dafka birash vuchule. That level of avoida is done dafka with noise. Because again, on that level, it's noisy, it's messy. You're, you're trying to put distance between yourself and this very dangerous spiritual situation that you realize you find yourself in. That's going to be with noise. There's a higher level after that. That's the Shema Vaya. Yes, that has to be with the Kol Mamadaka. Now the Rebbe returns to our subject matter at hand. 
וזהו הטעם לכך שהבידס קיין גודל בכל ימי השנה, הייסה באופן של ונשמע כאלה. Now the Rebbe explains. So every day of the year, there were these bells that tinkled at the bottom of the coat, on the hem of the coat of the Kohen Gadol. And his Avaita was done in such a way that Venishma Koyla, yes, you heard the sound. Kevon, because Shehaya Allah Laseis Imoi Pnima Ela Kodesh Gam as Elu B'nei Yisrael Shaseja Avedasam Knisasam Le Kodesh He Bekol Rash V'chulei. Why does the Kohen Gadol have to wear a coat that has bells that make noise and that continue to make noise throughout the Aveda? Because as the Rebbe said earlier, the Kohen Gadol is not just going in as a private citizen. He's carrying all of B'nei Yisrael into the Kodesh with him. And among them are people who are not yet on the level of Shem Habaya. They are not yet on the level of that exalted level where there's no noise, where it's called the Mamadaka. They're still on that level of Elikim. It's a lower level of manifestation. They're still dealing with their Nefesh Bahamis, or perhaps only dealing with their Nefesh Elikis. And now the Rebbe goes further and he says, and alluded in the fact, that the bells were on the bottom of the coat. They were on the hem of the coat. Because this avoida of noise, of ra'ash, is connected to those who are doing avoida that are still on the bottom of the coat, on the hem of the coat. That their spiritual work is still being fueled by a sense of alienation and distance from Hashem. The Alkar Bahazhara. And therefore the Torah warns the Nishma that the, the, this noise has to be heard, and only then will the Kohen Gadol not die. The Rebbe underscores the words that the entire life force of the Kohen Gadol is connected to this noise, meaning is connected to his obligation to those Jews who are like at the hem of his coat. And if there is not, if, 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 if he goes into the Kodesh and he's not wearing the coat that has the belt, if this part of his service is not intact, because he doesn't want to include in his service these types of Jews, because they are like in the category of the hem of the coat. Even if it's for a very holy reason, he doesn't want to include these Jews because he wants to go up to the next level where the service of God is in the quiet, still, small voice. But even if that's the reason, then he is, uh, God forbid, annihilated. He's mispatelis. He, he goes bye-bye. He dies. 
תלויה בעבודה הכללת כל שישים ריבוי שווה ישראל. Because the fruition of his avodah with Klal Yisrael depends on that avodah, including every single one of the 600,000, um, you know, major souls to which we are all connected. Like it says, Mirashechem Shiftechem, and this is from Parshas Re'e famously, all the way from the heads of your, of your um, tribes, until the simple folk who are wood choppers and water carriers. Everybody has to be included. Hey, Amnam, however, but this is true when we're talking about the Vaidya the Kayin Gadol throughout the year. When he enters and does his service only in the holy, only in the Ayamayid. Because on that level, there is place to still be discriminating between different levels of Jews. There is still place to qualify and quantify from the heads of your, you know, the, the very most important people of every tribe to the woodcutters and the water carriers. And therefore there is place in that avoida to be done with noise and it should be heard. But in contradistinction, the, the service of the Kayan Gadol and Yom Kippur that is done in the Holy of Holies is without noise. He does not wear that coat. He does not wear that vestment. He does not wear the belt. Because at that time, on Yom HaKippurim, called Yisrael Kimalachim He, all of B'nai Yisrael are considered angels. There is the revelation of the connection, the essential connection between all of B'nai Yisrael and God. And because every single one, you could see that the Rebbe underscores, because every Jew, even those who are in the level of being on the hem of the Kayin Gadol's coat, but a Yom Kippur, they find themselves standing in the closest proximity and uniting essentially with Hashem. Yechida liyachdecha, one people united with one with God's oneness. So they're going in, all of us going in to the Kaidish Hakadashim, through the Kayan Gadal going in, Aina This is not like someone who is far who comes near. When you're far and you come near, the only way, if you're drowning in the ocean, the only way for you to reach the shore is to splash and is to raise a cry and is to call out emergency and so on and so forth. 
But in Yom Kippur, nobody is far. So there's no rush. Here there is simply complete abnegation and it's and it's with the still, small, soft voice. What's interesting is that it looks like by the Rebbe, every day was Yom Kippur because he categorically eschewed the term Kiruv Rechaikim to bring close those who are far. For the Rebbe, nobody was far. Every day is Yom Kippur. Every day when he looks at a Yid, he sees into the Atmos of the Yid. There are no Yidin at the bottom of the, of the, of the hem. Vav. This week's Living Torah was, I don't know if you saw it, it was amazing. It's, it's absolutely necessary to see. It's amazing. And it's exactly about this. It's fantastic. Thank you. I know what we're all going to be doing as soon as we can. Thank you, Chani. Vav. So based on everything we've said above, Now we are, once we understand the bell factor, now we're in a position to understand the decorative factor. And why is it pomegranates? And why does the Ramban opine that it should have been apples? Yisrael nimshlu hein l'tapuach v'hein l'rimayim. Reb explains that B'nai Yisrael in different places are compared both to an apple and to a pomegranate. V'achiluk b'nai yimhu. The difference, however, is as follows. Hadim yin l'tapuach matim l'b'nai Yisrael b'yosim b'rim ha-mayla. When you analogize the Jews to apples, you're talking about Jews at the height, at the crest, at the zenith of their greatness. And the pomegranate, on the other hand, is more appropriate as an analogy to Jews who are kind of, you know, have fallen in their, in their level. And here the Rebbe um, quotes from the Shir HaShirim, that your brow is like a split open pomegranate. And then the commentary says, The Gemara Brachas also cites this. This is a reference to the empty Jews. What does it mean, empty Jews? Empty of mitzvahs. Ella, the Gemara says, but but even the Jew is considered rekon, empty, that Jew too is full of good deeds. Like the Gemara says there, even the empty ones that are among you are filled with good deeds, like a pomegranate is filled with seeds. So on Rosh Hashanah, we evoke both the way in which we are the apple of Hashem's eye, and we are the highest. And, and we also evoke the way in which, despite all of our flaws, we are filled with good deeds as the remind is filled with, with um, seeds. So therefore, once you understand the symbolism and the apple versus the pomegranate, the Ramban is a pining 
why not put an apple there for decorative purposes? Whereas Rashi stands his ground that it was a pomegranate. So therefore Rashi, whose stated mandate is to explain he's coming to explain how Jews appear externally, simply speaking, so at first blush, the, the, um, the Jew who's at the hem of the coat seems to be more aligned with, with a pomegranate. And therefore, Rashi opines that the decoration was pomegranate. Khani's asking why is the apple aligned with um, the, the greatness or the completeness of the Jews. Um, so that is also based on another that we are like the apple of Hashem's eye, meaning the most important thing, the most consummate thing. So that's where that symbolism comes from. So therefore there has to dafka be pomegranates is to show, to teach, that even the so-called empty Jews, and even those on a lower level, even the ones who sinned, they too entered with the Kayin Gadol into the Holy, they are part of an Israel, the Aseramizu, and even more so, Himalayim mitzvahs kerimai. They are filled with mitzvahs like the pomegranate. Ach beperish Ramban, the Ramban, on the other hand, who wrote in his Akdama about his perush, Sheba Yeshnam Loirak in Yonipshat Elagam Devorim Neimim Liyoidim Chain. The Ramban says about his perush that it's not just the simple explanation that he brings, but in his perush there are pleasant explanations for those who recognize grace of Hashem. The word chen, which means grace, is an acrostic for chachmais nistares, hidden aspects of chachma of knowledge. So the Ramban who describes his perush as being um, composed of chain of chachmais nistares, mudgeshes Yisrael. So he is underscoring not the veneer, not the facade, what it looks like when you look at a Jew at first blush, but what's going on within the Jew. And on the panemius level of a Jew, on the innermost level of a Jew, there is no connection between a Jew and chet bechlal. As we know, it says, va'amech kulam tzadikim. It's one of the ten pesukim. Your entire nation are tzadikim. Ma'hai ta'ima perish ramban she'inyi v'nishma k'aylei hu ha'chana bilvad la'vaydis k'ayngadah sh'la'achrov. And now we're in a position to understand another difference between the Ramban and Rashi. And that is the Ramban opines that the tinkling of the bells was as a hachana, was as a preparation, was like asking permission to go in. And it's not an aspect of the actual service. 
because the entrance of the Kain Gadol to the Kaidesh, even as an emissary of all of Klal Yisrael, he bedargas avoides hasadikim bekol de mamadaka, because the Ramban sees every Jew as an apple. In other words, on the innermost level, we are all consummate, we are all complete, we are the apple of Hashem's eye. And therefore, when the Kayin Gadol takes us all in with him, it's all on the level of tzaddikim. There's no alienation. There's no separation between us and Hashem. It's avoided tzaddikim. And that avoida is done silently. Now we can understand what's really bothering Ramban when he questions Rashi, who says it was for decorative purposes alone, but it was a pomegranate. And, and the Ramban pushes back and says, why shouldn't it be an apple? But because the Ramban is asking, since Rashi is telling us that the remaining of the pomegranates are not for any functional purpose, you're not putting the bells in the pomegranate, but rather it's for decorative purposes. And what does it mean, decorative purposes on the on the cloak? On, I'm sorry, the coat of the Kaingadal. It means you want to showcase the beauty and the exalted level of the Jews. So the Ramban is saying, hello, this is not just like any old decoration. This is pregnant with tremendous meaning and symbolism. It's about broadcasting the beauty of every Jew that's going in with the Kayin Gadol. So it should be apples. It shouldn't be pomegranates. And it should be like the Menorah. That the seven um, the seven um, arms of the Menorah uh, all allude to the seven levels of the Jews as they are all Eved Hashem, and and on each branch of the Menorah, on each arm of the Menorah, there were apples. Zion, Amnam, however, Okay, but this is what the Rebbe does, right? He takes us in one direction and then he says, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Now we're going to go in the opposite direction and you're going to find an even deeper level. So even though bipashtos on the simple level and bichitsainis on a more external level, the avayda, that makes noise, the Avaida of Rash is on a lower level than the Avaida of Kol de Mamadaka, the still small voice. The Cholzois, Yeshba Bavaida Barash, Maila Gam Biachas Lavaida Bibitol. But still in all, there remains a superlative Maila, um, uh, an advantage in the Avaida that is done with a lot of tumult and a lot of noise over the avoida that is with the still small voice. Why? Ha'avoida bekol mamadaka hi behagbala. The avoida that is done, organized, 
quiet, efficient, no drama, no screaming, no flaying about with, about, with the limbs. The, the problem with this is that it's ba'oifen shal or bekeli bezyashvos. It's with hagbola. It's with definition. It's with parameters. It's with borders. It's measured. But there's a mila to that which cannot be contained, which cannot be measured. This avoida. It's ba'oifen shal or bekeli bezyashvos. You can fit all the lights into a container. That means it's finite. Masha Enkin, in contradistinction, but when you're talking about hearing the noise, the messiness, the urgency, the emergent quality of the person who is running for their life, who is running towards Hashem, away from the Ra, wants to do tshuva, hine harash hagadol mukufa, the very noise, the very messiness, the very drama, proves It proves that this is a situation where the person leaves all of their normal parameters, their normal limitations, their normal kalim, their normal comportment, their manners, their mannerisms. It's all gone because there's such a depth and such an urgency to what this person is going through. And therefore, it expresses itself in a cry and an uproar. And this is one of the reasons, this is one way of understanding the famous teaching in the Gemara Brachis that in the place where Bali Tshuva stand, a complete tzaddik can never stand there. Kidaf Gibirash, because it's specifically through the noise and the tumult, Shabavoidis Hatshuva, that is inherent and endemic to the work of Teshuva, Mizgala Habligvol Shalhanashama. It's Dafka only in that kind of Avoida that the infinity of the neshama is revealed. And so the Rebbe has now answered the question of why Rashi opines as he does and why Ramban holds as he does. And now the Rebbe is going to give us an additional um, beautiful hayra here. And from all of the above, there is a special hayrah, special lesson for our generation, which is the, the generation of ikvasa which is usually translated as, you can already hear the heels, the footsteps of Mashiach. But I saw in one place that this was translated as kind of like the hem, you know, like the rustling already. I don't know. Yeshnam kama hatayan. Rebbe says there are those who claim can you close the door? Thank you. 
it's true that because of the low level of our generation, we all have to engage in the work of spreading Torah and strengthening Yahadus. The aim la Adam Lestapik the Yeshiva Betoyh Arba Amaisa Bafilu Ba Arba Amishal Torah Ulahamtin Achirim Yifnu Ela Bivakshuhu. And there's already an understanding, the Rebbe says, that it's not enough for a person to sit in the yeshiva, in the Dalit Amas, in, you know, the four cubits of their learning, even if they're learning Torah, and to wait until somebody comes to them and asks them because they have a question in Torah or mitzvahs. No. There's a dawning that there's a necessity, lahafitz Torah v'chula. Eliyesh, let's say, we have to go out to chutza, outside of the normal confines of where you would think you would find observant Jews, to find the estranged Jews, the and to, with Hashem's help, guide them to do Teshuvah. But the Rebbe says, but even those people that are ready to agree that there's necessity to do this, but they claim, why do you have to be so noisy about this? Why with the tanks, with the mitzvah tanks, with the music, with the, you know, with, with, with the billboards, with the, with, with, with the flamboyant way in which Chabad does things? It should be called the Mamadaka. Be more dignified about this. Be more quiet. Be more subtle. What are you taking out full page ads in the New York Times? Why do you have to go out to the streets and to announce loudly that you should put on tefillin? That they should affix mezuzahs on their doors, be it nutzdaka, they should give tzdaka, create a bazaar. In other words, why are you making such a big tumult about all the ten b'fzayim? We never found this kind of lahat um, means when you're very inflamed, this kind of um, enthusiastic, maybe even rambunctious behavior in previous generations. This is not what we did. This is not how Jews conducted themselves. And the Rebbe says, my answer to this is, According to all the simanim that are listed in the Gemara Masechah Saita about the end of days, right before Mashiach comes, we can see when we look at the, what the description is about what's going to be happening in the generation before Mashiach comes, we could see the Rebbe says, we are in that time. We are in a place that is not that exalted. We're, we're, we're not in such good shape as a people. We're in Shule Hameil. We're at the hem of the coat. Therefore, we need to know and we need to remember that on the hem of the coat of the Kohen Gadol was not just pomegranates. There were bells, and bells make noise. I knew, meaning that bringing this demographic 
this type of Jew, bringing them bringing them metaphorically into the holy, meaning them bringing them to Yiddishkeit, under the wings of Hashem's presence, was established to be done with noise. On the contrary, and as already said, the highest level of Avoida is the noisiness of the Teshuva. And the Chabba says, and one more point, we're now in the last Seif, in Seif test. When we see when we see um, that amongst those who are contravening the word of Hashem, who are trespassing Torah mitzvahs, there's a lot of noise. The Rebbe is using uh, a term from the Gemara Makais called Hamayna Shalraymi, the noise made by the crowds of the Roman legions. Basically, the Rebbe is saying that everybody who's going about their business in the larger world is making a lot of noise. They're not doing it quietly. Today, we could say it's all over social media. It's done with a splash. It's not like this stuff that's being done is being done behind closed doors, quietly in dignified fashion. No, it's being done loudly. All the things that are being done that are contra to Torah are not being done <laughs> in the most private of all rooms. No, they're being done with great fanfare and they're, um, and they're being publicized very widely and very loudly. Azai, therefore, then, when you find yourself in such a situation, the Rebbe says, so the way to fight the, the, um, the searing wind of the Sitra Achra, of the other side, of the Contra side, is to fight fire with fire, to fight it in like fashion. And the Rebbe now here quotes from the Gemara, Narga. From the trees themselves is taken the axe which will chop them down. Meaning, you co opt the force that is contra to cut down that force. It's a different way of saying fighting fire with fire. You use the same medium. Meaning, just like we see that what those people who are making noise about the bad things, so in the same way, those who are doing Hashem's will should also be with noise. And where should we do this? We should make noise in the street. We are the legions of the Romans, as it were. We're those who are godless or heretics or scoffers or irreverent or just plain not interested. But there's a noise out in the street. There are legions of Romans, quote unquote, engaging in all kinds of behaviors. We have to get out there and we have to make the noise of Hashem. 
and this will lead to the fulfillment of and this is also um, from the Gemara that just like those who trespass God's will, so it will be for those, how much more so for those who follow God's will, that Bnei Yisrael will sit in quiet and completely secure on their land, meaning Eretz Yisrael, and this will happen through the agency of the blowing of the great Shefer, as Yeshayahu described what will happen before Mashiach comes, and this will be specifically through noise, these are words from what we say on Hashanah Rabbah, that behold, there will be a voice, there will be a sound that will come to tell us that Mashiach is coming. Mevaser HaGeula will come to notify us of the Geula. And may this be Bekarav Mamash, may this be speedily in our days. And the Sicha that we have just learned is Leschus Arafur Shlema for Harab Yosef Yitzhak Ben Simachasya, that Hashem should grant him Arichas Yamim, Meshanim Teves, and Neimais, and in full health. It's Hashem. Uh, questions or comments or anything somebody wants to add or say or share? Thank you. Okay, this was great. Rebbe loved the Rosh, but yet had such a quietness in himself. You saw that balance of the Rebbe so much in just one. The Rebbe was quiet. I don't know how to explain it. It was a quietness, but they were loved. He loved the Rosh. Anyway. If we're allowed to like discuss the Rebbe's personality, if we're allowed to say that, you know, the Rebbe was, you know, Betivoy more more of an introvert, but but for his Aveda, he forced himself to, you know, to become that extrovert. But you're right that his, you know, his essence was was quiet. But yes, he wanted the rash. He wanted us to make a rash. That works well for us with big mouths. <laughs> Well, the, world, the world says the opposite. Be quiet. Right, exactly. Shah still. Machnish Kintomo. I think the Hanukkah, the Hanukkah campaign that the Rebbe started so many years ago was really the beginning of Shout It Out Loud. It was so hard at the beginning. We had to fight all battles and people, and, and now it's just everywhere. Nobody even questions it. You know, everybody has menorahs and the cars and you know, you can't you can't make enough fuss about it. It's um, and it applies to everything now. It's what we have to do. And the rabbi said it years ago. So just carry on and do that. You know, even the tefillin campaign met with a lot of resistance. You're putting on tefillin on people outside of a shul, and do they wash negelvaser? What are they thinking? And yeah, and like doing it in the public forum. Like, like, what are you doing in the public, you know, sector? Yeah. Go back. Everything, everything was a battle. Everything was a battle. The beginning. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Call to everybody. We got noise to make. Yes. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank you. Have a good day and, and a good week and everything wonderful. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.